We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hey there, welcome to episode 83 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren, I'm here in New York City, and joining me is my sister across the country in Las Vegas. Hey, Renee. Hello, hello, hello. So we're talking about workouts today. This will be fun. Your specialty, (laughs) Lauren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it is. is. Yeah, I've been doing exercise training, coaching for 14 years. I am so bad at math. (laughs) Yeah. This is sort of how I got into this industry, health and wellness. I started personal training. So yeah, I'm excited to do this today. Our goal is to break down a pretty complex topic. I know a lot of people are overwhelmed, confused about all of the advice out there because it can be pretty conflicting. It's confusing. How do you even know where to begin? What kind of workouts to do? How often? How long? Like, what the heck are we supposed to be doing? Right? I mean, I felt that myself in my own life, Renee. I'm sure you've felt that as well. Yeah. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this is probably why I have been drawn to Orange Theory because it takes out a lot of the guesswork. I mean, we're going to break down all the different types of exercise that you need to incorporate. But I feel like Orange Theory checks a couple of those boxes for me. So I can just go in, turn my brain off for an hour, get a lot done. And then just my off days, I can incorporate the other things. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's probably why most people are drawn to group fitness, right? I mean, there's the community aspect, which you cannot ignore. That's huge. We should all be finding community and that's a great way to do it in non-COVID times. But (laughs) Yeah. Taking the guest workouts, just having someone design a program for you, because unless you're working with a personal trainer, it can be really hard to design your own program or even know if it's the right program. Okay. Before we really dive in, I'm going to ask you all to buckle up. There are a lot of things to consider here. And I'm just going to apologize in advance because there really aren't any easy answers And we cannot create an optimal plan for you on this podcast because it just won't be personal. And we know that everything has to be personalized. So hang in there with us. And when we're done, you're going to go back through these considerations and you can start to put together your own personal exercise puzzle. So in the show notes, we've included a blank calendar template so you can start to do this. Our best advice is just determine your goal 
and then put pen to paper. Just start writing down what you think will work out for you with these given considerations. If you still have questions, please come back to us. We can always address them on another podcast. We are happy to go deeper. Again, this is super complex and we appreciate you just hanging in there with us. All right. Would you say, Renee, that you need motivation to work out? No, I don't feel like I need motivation. And I know that's a, I don't know how rare of a thing is that to not need motivation. Like, I don't really think about it. I, I work out, you know, five, six days a week, no questions asked. Yeah. But you're also in that cycle. Like I wonder our entire family is pretty active. So I just want to bring this up because I think that I'm pretty motivated to move because it makes me feel good. I don't feel well if I don't move. So it's never really been a factor for me, but I do think there's a large population that needs that motivation. And I don't know how much of it is you really don't like to work out. And I think there's some room to explore there because sometimes if you don't like working out, maybe you're just not doing the right things. Maybe you haven't sort of found your jam when it comes to exercise. Like I think there is room to play and I don't think you have to follow one method. You don't have to be stressed or miserable when you work out. But I also think there's something to be said for like kind of getting in the flow, getting in the cycle. You know, I'm sure you've experienced this. I've experienced this like over the holidays, you kind of get like in a rut, you get off of your schedule and then coming back is always so hard. That's the hardest thing I think for most people is to make that change when you've been in another place or in a going in a different direction. So I think we can all relate to that. I think diet and exercise would both fall into that story. That you're like, oh, I missed one day. Okay, what's two days? What's three days? What's four days? Like it kind of piles on. But then once you get back on track, you're like, yeah, you're in that daily flow. Like you're not going to miss a day. Yeah. Or like nature. <laughs> the amazing chocolate dessert that mom made this weekend for Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh gosh. Eat that stuff, but it was so delicious. We all ate it. And then the next day I was like, well, I had it yesterday. I'm going to eat it today. And I was like, well, we don't want to have it around in the fridge next week. So let's finish it off. (laughs) Get it out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And then coming back to, you know, your normal healthy ways is a little bit harder once you've incorporated that. So I think you're right. It's just kind of the same with diet and exercise for sure. Yeah. But so I think my reason for bringing that up is it's going to be a major factor here considering your motivation and how much structure you need. So for me personally, I think let's keep trying to incorporate personal stories because I think that may be helpful. I don't need the motivation to move but I really like structure, but I also don't like going to group fitness, but I still need a program. You're also motivated, but you like not having to decide for yourself. So you like going to group fitness. Right. Right. And I also write out my plan for the week. So whether, whether it is going to orange theory, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I know a week in advance, what I'm going to do, but now with COVID not going to orange theory, I still write out, okay, I'm going to do my X3 Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, I still write it out. So I commit a week in advance and my that, little list just, maker. Yes. <laughs> You're the so list maker. organized. So organized. Okay. And I delete Ever. it. I delete it off my phone. Once I complete it, that's like my yep. checklist. Oh, I I know, I'm crazy. This, but you, it's not only on your phone and your computer, but you have a dry erase board on your fridge. Not necessarily for yeah. working out, but like you've always been, a I'm list. a list. And it's funny because it's all in my head. Like really, I don't need to write it down. It's already in my head. But anyways, well, so I'm the I've other been, extreme. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with that because I'm not a list maker. So yeah, okay, there's only two of us, but we're just kind of trying to spread the wealth here and hopefully you can resonate with one 
at least one thing. Right. Hopefully something will stick. Yeah. I think I just had another thought about like finding motivation. I think also if you grew up, you know, as a dancer or playing a sport, going to the gym, I think you're used to that a little bit more. Like I've met people that just have never worked out Mm -hmm. because I think they were in different activities growing up and they just never, yeah, weren't introduced into that. So hopefully we can find a way to introduce that in a simple way for people that are getting started. Definitely. Okay. I kind of want to use you as a guinea pig, Renee. Is that okay? Given that you are not a fitness, well, you are, you have taught fitness in the past, but I don't think you would consider yourself a fitness professional. Yeah. I taught group fitness. What in my past life, I say, I only did it for a year or two and I was right out of college. Yeah. That's my past life. Okay. So you can use me as a guinea pig. (laughs) As far as designing a program, I think this is sort of the, the, the perfect scenario you like structure, you like creating a plan, you don't like making the decisions, right? You have a little bit of, you know, you have experience. And I think most people listening to this podcast, please like shout out to us if, if you don't fall in any of these categories. But I think most people listening have some experience with fitness. That's probably what has drawn you to this podcast or some experience dabbling in health. That's why you're here. If you're left out in some capacity, write to us. I'm really trying to cover the bases here. So I think the things we really want to address is how can we kind of sift through all the advice out there because it's conflicting? There's just, you don't even know where to turn. Same with food. How do you know if you're doing enough? How do you know if you're doing the right things? And then maybe once you're in that cycle, how do you keep your workouts varied enough that they're interesting, that they keep you motivating so you're not constantly doing the same thing? Because I think that is a rut that a lot of people get into. It's like, I found this one thing that I love and I just do that one thing. Mm-hmm. And I even see that with industry experts. There are fitness experts. You only have to do this. I was just thinking about like the late Charles Polican. He created such a following. He was such a leader, but he was really under this belief that you didn't need to do cardio, which I can't really get by anyone that says you only have to do one thing. I think we need balance. Yeah. Like everything. That makes sense. Right. Everything may be in moderation, almost the same way you would think of your nutrition. Yeah. All right. Let's start with that. (laughs) No extremes. Let's say no extremes. So Renee, as the guinea pig, what would you say is the number one thing if we're getting started? What's the one question that comes to your brain first? I think what, what's your goal? Why do you want to work out? You know, and, and I think, and I learned this, you know, from doing my training with Ben Greenfield, there's two camps. I feel like there's the people that are training for, you know, performance or some big event. They want to run a marathon. They want to do a bodybuilding competition. You know, there's Mm -hmm. some more performance aspect versus the other camp is more for longevity, health, anti-aging, wellness, right? Mm -hmm. And I I do think they're very different. Fine if you want to do a competition or run a marathon, whatever, but I wouldn't say that that is a good thing to do for longevity. Mm Mm-hmm. But if that's your goal. And then maybe just to throw like a sub goal in there, physique. So like aesthetics, the way that you look, I think that could definitely fall into both of those categories. It could be that you're training kind of like you're training for performance. In some cases, I think it's easy to, to, to overdo it because you're chasing after a look. Right. Yeah. I guess that could be both. You're right. Cause obviously being obese and overweight is not good for overall health and longevity, but at the same time, having eight pack ripped abs and these huge arms, 
may look great, but that's not necessarily good for longevity. Yeah. That just reminded me. So I was just listening to this, to Dax Shepard's podcast. Mom got me hooked on this and he interviewed Tom Brady and Tom Brady was explaining how, you know, he used to be under this belief system. You had to get in the gym and like lift heavy because bigger muscles meant you would be stronger and more powerful. And he realized he was really limited because he was tight, short, and didn't have, you know, the mobility or the the endurance that he needed to perform. So now he focuses wow. more on, not that he doesn't lift weights, but like he focuses a lot on mobility and lengthening his muscles. So it's like, really, like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I think going for yeah. physique is not going to necessarily give you longevity and health. Yeah. But if that's something you aspire to do now, short term, you can train for that. Yeah. I just would never want to look like a bodybuilder where I can't turn my neck. I know that's extreme, but yeah, I my motivation have... is to not do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to balance. I want to feel, feel good, look good and live forever. Actually, I have a client right now who's a bodybuilder and his lab work came back and it's horrific. Oh, Inflammation no. off the charts, LDL, CRP. Oh no. Um, lipoprotein, everything is high. Yeah. Yikes. But, but I appreciate what he said to me. He was like, I want to see my kids grow up. So if mm. that means I need to sacrifice time in the gym for mm. longevity, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. So that's probably a subcategory underneath what it, what is your goal? I guess, what's your motivation? Are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, maybe you want to look good, but maybe you also want to have longevity so you can take care of your family, take care of your kids, be around for your friends and family. Yeah. Would you add anything to that? I think, I mean, all, to tag on to that is, is how much time you want to commit. Some people love going to the gym three hours a day and they have the time. Okay. But you got to find the right way to do that versus other people are like, um, I have 10 minutes a day because I am so busy. What do I do in those 10 minutes to get the same achievement? Yeah. 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 So time is okay. a huge thing. All right. So now we got to get down to business because I think this is going to apply to most people. So you and I are entrepreneurs. We make our own schedule because we do coaching from home. We have the flexibility to work out whenever we want, which to me is a huge luxury. And I do not take that for granted. I same love that I can work out whenever, whenever I want to, but I know most people can't do that. I think a major, I guess, restriction to achieving your goals is your time constraints. So job. Yeah probably wake up early, come home and maybe you're too tired to work out. I think that's probably a lot of people. I just want to say like, I honor whatever your schedule is. We want to give you the tools to make it work no matter what your time commitment is. If you have a job that restricts you, family, kids, obviously if you have kids, that's a huge priority. So, you know, mommies aren't going to get their same exercise time as pre-kids. So, so something I want to introduce pretty early on Minimum effective dose. This is a really powerful tool for anyone that has time constraints. So minimum effective dose, it's shortened as the acronym MED, M-E-D. This is essentially looking at the benefits that we gain from exercise and then condensing to the shortest window where we can still get those benefits, but we're not spending excess time. So it's being really, really specific. I always think about Pam Gold, who's a friend of ours. She was on the podcast in season two. Two. She founded Hacked, which is a biohacking space in New York City that's temporarily closed, but 
she is a mom and it was really important to her to be able to continue getting her workouts, but it's like everything changed when she had kids. So with the biohacking stuff, and we're going to talk about these hacks later, but she was able to shorten her workouts to 20 minutes a day. And she is ripped. (laughs) Like she's in phenomenal shape. And I'm not saying everyone should have the goal of looking ripped, but health wise, she's in phenomenal shape. And she was able to do that with minimum effective dose. I know everyone's like, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah. And well, and that's where biohacking can really be incredible. Mm-hmm. You're hacking your time essentially. So we'll get into hacks for that, but I just want to introduce these ideas that we can kind of condense. If you're not looking for community, like if you're not, maybe you are working out in person again, or maybe you're on a zoom class to get that community and, you know, sweat with friends. But if you're just trying to accomplish your goals and get the health benefits, maybe you want to look at shortening your workouts with med. And we'll explain that shortly. Okay, so we have determine your goals, determine your motivation, look at your time constraints or how much time you want to commit. What else would you say, Renee? I think consider setting up a milestone. I think maybe this kind of goes with your goal as well. But sometimes having a date on the calendar whether it it is signing up for a 5K for your favorite charity or in a big event coming up and you want to look good in that dress, you know, whatever really motivates you, I think having a date on the calendar can keep you more accountable. I know some people are against this idea, but I think it really helps because you're like, oh, I could skip that workout today, oh, but I have that event in four weeks from today. So it keeps mm-hmm. you a little more motivated. So maybe find a milestone for you. I like that. And I agree. I'm just going to play devil's advocate. I've seen I know what you're going to say. I know. You- <laughs> <laughs> I already know. <laughs> I just have witnessed this so many times. I think a lot of us have witnessed this. Let's take, for example, a bride. She wants to get in shape and look amazing yep. for her wedding day for the photos. And then after she gets married, she lets it all go. Forget about it. So I think, yes, it's important. And that's just one example, but it's important to have a milestone but I think maybe you want to set a couple milestones for yourself, or maybe you have yeah. a, a quantifiable mi- milestone, but then you also have a qualitative milestone. How do you want to feel? Yeah. So short-term versus long-term numbers versus quality. So maybe I want to run this 5k on this date that's in six months from now, but a year from now I will have accomplished that. How do I want to continue to feel or how, what, you know, what's the next thing? I don't think ever, you know, set a date that's going to be a coffin. That's going to be right. Yeah. It doesn't end that day. I think you have to continually set new ones. And then I think also make sure it's a healthy plan. Not, okay, I have two weeks to lose 20 pounds. I'm just going to starve myself and hit the gym every day. Okay. That's not a healthy milestone (laughs) to accomplish. Right. So be reasonable. I'm going to... I'm going to say that our audience is not in that crowd. <laughs> yes. Um, I know you all know better. I know you take do. pride in our audience. And yes. you, you guys all know that suffering and well, one that's just not attainable. You can't lose that weight, that much weight that fast. It's certainly not going to stay that way. So, right. so, okay. That's great. Milestones. I think another thing to consider is how often are you moving throughout the day? There's a lot of research kind of comparing small bits of movement or like mini workouts throughout your day versus one solid workout. And we've seen this. There's a lot of clinical research that says a mini workout spread out. What exactly what I just said is, is the same. You get the same benefit from doing 
a one hour hard workout. And I've witnessed this on like my aura ring, my, my trackers. I hate to bring this to calories, but this is just a way to quantify this. I will burn the same number of calories in a day if I'm moving all day long versus one workout and then I sit on my butt. I think that is a yeah. detriment to a lot of people that have these time constraints. Maybe you only have this hour to get your workout and then you have to sit at a desk for your nine to five. That's okay, but I think you should consider on the days where you do have more time that moving throughout the day is going to be just as beneficial, if not more, because there's also all this research about improving insulin sensitivity, improving circulation. It's a great break for your mind and productivity if you're getting up and moving. We know you don't want to sit for too long also because you get forward head posture, you get lower cross syndrome, your hip flexors are going to be tight, your glutes are going to be weak, your piriformis, which is the deeper layer of your butt muscle is going to try to take over. You're going to have back pain. It's like, we know these things (laughs) happen from sitting for too long. So I think if that's your normal day-to-day, you only have this time to work out find other times when you can walk. Maybe it's on the weekend going for not just one long walk, maybe like a shorter walk in the morning, a shorter walk in the afternoon. Yeah. And actually I can totally speak to this personally. I've noticed, so I haven't done Orange Theory in three months now. And I was a little worried because, you know, I would go to the one hour class and I would burn five to 600 calories in that hour. Not doing that my aura ring says I'm still burning the same amount of calories in a day. Mm. Instead of one hour at the gym, I am doing 30 minute walk, 10 minutes of strength training, maybe in between clients running up and down my stairs a couple of times, maybe throw in a four minute Tabata set before lunch. Like I'm just throwing in these little things that don't feel stressful or strenuous and I'm burning the same amount of calories. Mm. versus going to the gym and completely killing my body and then coming home and just wanting to lay on the couch for the night. Oh, I know what that feels like. I mean, we both have had some adrenal burnout and I know how terrible that feels to go all out for an hour burn. I don't know. Like when I was teaching dance cardio, I burned like a thousand calories in an hour, which is insane. (gasps) And then I was a dead person for the rest of the day. So yeah. What benefit was I getting? Cause I was probably overtaxing my adrenals. And then, you know, I'm laying on the couch, not getting circulation, not getting a break for my mind. Right. And your cortisol is just out of whack now. Yeah. Tanked. So I love that movement throughout the day. Love it so much. Yeah. So, and I think you can do this, even if you are sitting at your desk all day long, I know like <laughs> I have clients that right now their zoom calls are out of control because you don't have to to book out time to walk from this room to the next. You're sitting right there, so there's no excuse. But find five minutes to get up and walk around as much as you can. Yeah. Just get up and move around. That's all. That's all you need to do. And then you're gonna you're gonna get the same benefits. And by benefits, I know I keep saying that. I haven't clarified. We're talking about cardiovascular health, muscular strength, and endurance. I, I feel like I have to play devil's advocate today to everything that you say, just to try to cover our bases. But yeah, totally. I, Maybe the disadvantage to moving throughout the day, you said you're not doing a strenuous workout by doing little bits here and there. I think it is necessary to put some strain on your body. You do want it to be a little bit strenuous. So we can go the opposite end of the spectrum and just do, you know, mobility, quick little Tabata, 
sprinkled, but maybe you're not ever really getting your heart rate up. Maybe you're not ever really breaking a sweat. Maybe you're not ever really breaking down muscle tissue to the point where we're, we're encouraging repair and growth. So we do want to find the point where we are challenging ourselves and getting a little uncomfortable. Do you, like I'm doing the X three bar six days a week. Do you think that is strenuous enough? I mean, it's strength training, but I am breathing so So hard. hard. I'm sweating, but it's only 10 minutes. Yeah. I think those are, those are the factors. Like you just want to check those off your list. Am I sweating? Am I breathing hard? So if you're breathing hard, you're moving to upper zones of heart rate training. So you're increasing your aerobic capacity. You're building that foundation for fitness. You've already probably moved through fat burning. I would say, yes, you're checking off those things. You are putting strain on your muscles, especially because it's new because you haven't been doing it that long. You're probably getting really sore from it. I'm actually not that sore from it. Hmm. Which I actually, they, I think X3 says that you're, you aren't going to be that sore. Oh, cool. Not that that is a sign of a good workout or a failed workout, but but of doing something new, usually you experience that. Usually, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that that wasn't a goal. <laughs> I just think you need some some bit of strain. And that's what I like about the WHOOP band. It's measuring strain and it comes back to the balance. We want to balance the strain. We don't want too much strain, but we want some because that's how we get stronger. Right. And that's, again, that's the hormesis. Yeah. Using it as that hormetic stressor. Our favorite but, word. <laughs> yes. Hashtag hormesis. Yeah. I just want to say, (laughs) if you feel confused, this is kind of my golden rule. Don't overthink it. I think we can all get really caught up in numbers, trying to over-design a program. I think that's paralyzing. And maybe the reason why some people won't even get started, they don't know where to start because we see all this conflicting information out there. And I think the goal is movement and a little bit of stress. So a little bit of hormesis, but just like moving your body. So in that sense, I don't think you should always go after numbers and we can give you some numbers, but I think they're super personal. So if you want a curated program, that's why you work with a trainer. And that is absolutely not a plug to hire me as a trainer. I'm just saying that's why people hire trainers because it is a thousand percent personal. We cannot sit here and say, if this is your goal, this is how many reps and sets and the percent of your heart rate max and like the percent of your strength max. Like we can't do that. There's way too many bits of information in there. I know I said, don't overthink it. Still, I still stand by that. Don't overthink it. But when it comes to movement, if you're trying to figure out like, oh God, do I do squats today? Do I do lunges? You want to always hit like your primal patterns. So it's the squat, the lunge, the bend, which is like a deadlift, the push, which is a push-up, a pull. doesn't have to be a pull-up, but you're pulling something. And then a twist. So the squat, lunge, bend, push, pull, twist. Those are functional movements. That's why we are working out so that we can be functional, right? To avoid injury, to be able to move through our lives, like pick up our kids, move boxes when we're moving, you know, clean the house, shovel snow and not get injured. If we do those primal movements, that's going to give you the strength and the power to be able to do all these daily tasks. So if you want to put together your, you know, for example, your strength training plan, if you're going to do three days a week, you can do all of those in one workout. If you have the recovery in between, you could do three days a, a week, pick a push, pick a pull, pick a twist, squat, bend lunge in between, do your cardio. But numbers, I think, can be helpful for recovery. And that's why we love the aura ring. 
it's actionable data that can tell you when to go hard, when to recover, and not that you should be using numbers for the rest of your life. I think it's good guidance, similar to checking in with a food journal temporarily, just to build some awareness. Yeah, exactly. Some numbers are good. The point of that was don't overthink it. There's never going to be the perfect program for you. And it's going to change, right? And it's always going to change. So stop looking for the perfect thing. We just need to get you to move. <laughs> and yes. I'm sorry, we'll, we'll go into some more depth on that. Yeah. And it, can I, I like to connect this to nutrition because I think people get this too. You know, it's like, I think nutrition and exercise, it can be very simple. Nutrition, don't eat sugar, don't eat toxic oils, eat more vegetables, eat whole foods, right? It can be very simple. Or we can get super sciencey and look at your genetics and your blood work and your IgE and IgG food reactions and really personalize it, right? Which is great, but you want to hire someone for that. Exercise. Just move more. Keep it simple. Or you can go to the extreme of hiring a trainer who's going to put together a really personal plan. Yeah. Because when we start to look at like Ben Greenfield's work, he gets super sciencey, but you know, he's hiring coaches like you, Keon coaches design this because not the average person can't do it. Or someone like Peter Atia, that's all about the zone two training, making sure you're staying in that zone for max benefits, but you have to test your blood, like to test your lactate threshold. You have to go to a facility and have someone who knows how to do this. The average person is not going to do that. No, no. So I'll remind everyone of this, but like you want to sweat, you want a little bit of strain. You want to be like a little uncomfortable and you just want to move as often as possible. <laughs> okay. And now the episode is complete. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, we are just getting started. <laughs> hey, biohackers, Renee here. The truth is people age at different speeds. The date that marks your birthday doesn't necessarily reflect your body's biological age, your inner age. Learning your biological age may seem daunting, but inner age is more than just a simple measurement. It's the starting point for you to take control of your health and wellness journey. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and now fitness trackers to help you optimize your performance from the inside out. First, they analyze your body's biomarker data to offer you a clear picture of what's going on inside you. Then they provide science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes and track your progress every step of the way. Transforming your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take advantage of our amazing partnership with Inside Tracker and get 25% off. Just go to insidetracker.com slash biohacker babes. We will also put this link in the show notes for today's episode. So I guess a little bit more about minimum effective dose. Actually, the government guidelines recommend 150 minutes per week. Very simple. And they actually find that after 450 minutes per week, the benefits actually plateau. So there's a good reason to not go overboard with that. Yeah, I would say that's where like marathon runners fall. Oh, yeah. Sure. I think it's a really cool goal to be able to run a marathon or a half marathon, but there are not health benefits. Yeah. Don't do it. Milestone. That's not, we're not doing this for health, right? (laughs) Right. Right. That's a strain on your body. That's a lot of stress. That's a lot of inflammation. That is very hard on the body. So I hope you know the difference. Yeah. I think do, do it for fun. Do it for a charity. Do it so you can run through Disney world and the princess marathon, like, (laughs) right. Like look for another reason, but don't do it because you're trying to get healthy. Yeah. Just don't. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And I just want to add to that, the, the government guidelines. So it's 150 minutes per week. That's moderate activity. And then if you're doing vigorous activity, that shortens to 75 minutes. And that's just general guidelines if we're trying to achieve. Great. All right. Should we get just a little more sciencey? Like how do we personalize this? I'm going to make you kick this off. I'm sorry. I'm really pushing you today. <laughs> yeah. You're like, come on, Renee, you can do it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, should we talk about things to consider when creating a plan? Do we yeah. want to start with that? Great. Yeah, I think, well, number one, find what you like to do if yeah. that exists. Like, very simple. If you love Zumba or you actually love to run, I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Take advantage of that. If you like to do it, then do more of that. I mean, plus, people do love to run. I know these people. Yeah, you know, Sometimes they, they do exist. They do exist. Right. It's um, called a runner's high. Have you never felt that? Actually, I mean, I, I get that when I do Orange Theory because I'm forced to run. So I, I get that. The endorphins are wonderful, but the knee pain is not. With a stoic face. The endorphins are wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So find what you like to do and, and be adventurous. Maybe try some new things. Maybe try a new group fitness class. Or if you're not sure what you like, you might learn something new. Okay, wait, um, before you go on, if you hate all types of exercise, if you're like, I've tried everything, I hate everything, get a dog, take your dog to the park and chase your dog. It's a fabulous go. type of exercise. <laughs> There's your cardiovascular training. Yeah. Or I'm if confused. you have if you have little kids crawling on the floor, picking mm -hmm. them up, putting them on your back, taking them for a hike, mm -hmm. a functional exercise there. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to maybe reframe something that could feel, I don't know, I don't know what it feels like to be a mom, but tedious or tiring. Of course it's tiring, but maybe you treat it as a 20 minute workout. I don't know. Yeah. Reframe it. I like that idea. Great. Okay. Sleep chronotype. This is another really good one. You should know this just for so many reasons, but on top of, um, that, what kind of exercise and what time of exercise. So for sleep chronotype, I'm a bear. I like to sleep. I kind of go to bed after the sun goes down. I come up or wake up after the sun comes up. I need at least eight hours of sleep. And so for me, I really like to work out around four or 5 PM. That's my prime time. So I try and schedule my work day so that I can do that and just take advantage of that versus Lauren, you're a dolphin. You sleep yeah. So, so you naturally feel really good working out then, or is when you determined that you were a bear, you tried to do that. I think I already knew I liked to work out at that time before I even knew what sleep chronotypes were. Hmm. Yeah. So and then it, it just kind of made sense when you figured yeah. that out. Yeah. Because actually before, I never understood why I hated working out in the morning. You know, people would be like, oh, come do this 6 a.m. class. I was like, no. Or even 9.30 a.m. I was like, I still, I just don't want to work out that early. Hmm. It just wasn't in me. But now cool. it makes more sense. I think that's really empowering. So if you haven't like figured out your ideal time or whatever you are doing doesn't feel right. We've talked about this on the show before your sleep chronotype. It's an easy quiz. You can Google it and, and find the quiz. Yeah. Actually in the show notes, scroll yeah, down scroll link to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a dolphin. So my optimal time to work out is actually in the morning. And that makes sense to me. I naturally wake up with a lot of energy. And I want to move first thing in the morning. I don't always do my hardest workout in the morning, but I, I feel good getting, getting moving in the morning. But I also, so dolphins like sleep with one eye open. I'm better in small spurts. 
because I never get that bare, heavy sleep. And that's kind of how my day is. I need to like do a little bit rest, do a little bit rest. So that's why I naturally, I think, move throughout the day. I can't like a 60 minute workout sounds horrific to me. And I've done it in the past. It makes me feel terrible. So yeah. Good to um, know though. Yeah. The dolphin, the dolphin thing makes sense. So yeah, something to consider. What is your chronotype? And then I think to add on to that, you can kind of determine what your muscle twitch fiber preference is. So within our muscle fibers, we have fast twitch and we have slow twitch, and there's even some subcategories within that. But some of us are more built for power versus endurance or vice versa. That's why athletes that make it to the Olympics, the sprinters are never going to be the long distance runners. They were born with that. Like that's pretty genetic. And I think just to bring it down to, you know, like the average person's level, I have more power. I have more fast twitch muscles. I am built for power. And I have seen that in a few different DNA tests. And that has always been my go-to. I don't like endurance. I like running, but not long distance. Like I'll never, ever run more than like two and a half, three miles. Um, And if I'm on the bike, it's like, let's get down and dirty. Let's get this over with. I don't want to be in a 60 minute class. So power, like high intensity, short spurts, and then rest works really well for me because I have more fast switch muscle fibers. Renee, so do you know I. yours? Yeah, I'm same as you, which makes sense. Like I, I've always loved like the 100 meter dash versus the, the 5K run or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I already felt that way and it just makes more sense once I, you know, once I saw that on the genetic testing. Cool. So I think if you hate, long distance running and you've been made to believe that you have to do it for like cardiovascular benefits, maybe just consider that you're made up of something different. I think people that run marathons probably have more slow twitch and they're just built for that a little bit better. So yeah. And DNA fit. That's how I found that out. That was a good test for that. Yeah. DNA fits great. There's also some tests online that you can take the Braverman test is a way to assess your neurotransmitter balance. Basically, you're putting yourself into, I think it's four categories of which neurotransmitter is dominant, but also looks at your deficiencies. And that can be a good way to kind of categorize how much time you should spend in in power versus endurance. There's actually a lot of tests online, just quick little, based on your physiological traits, this is sort of where the direction that you should go in. So the point of us saying that is if you're running long distance and you just hate it and you're being miserable, you're feeling miserable doing it, try sprints. Maybe they're for you and vice versa. If you just like hate high intensity intervals, hate sprints, maybe you're more of a long distance person. Maybe you're more of endurance. So I can't say that this is black and white. Like if you have more fast switch, you should never do endurance. I don't think that's true. Again, balance. We should have a little bit of both, but we can bring in some intuition into this puzzle into this equation. And just the way that you have a preference for one muscle fiber over the other, maybe you can have a preference in your exercise routine for one over the other. It still means we have both or all categories. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Back to some numbers. Cause I, I said, we shouldn't ever live and die by numbers, but you should look at your heart rate you should be doing some heart rate training because we want to make sure that we are putting some kind of stress on the cardiovascular system, increasing our aerobic capacity. But then, you know, there's benefits from different percentages of your heart rate max or your lactate threshold. So there are reasons to work within each of the categories. And 
Renee, do you want to set this up for us? The different zones? Yeah. I'll kind of run you guys through the zones. And I mean, this is something you can also look up online if you want to read more about each zone, but to keep it really simple. So zone one, the goal is a little bit more like recovery. We're using the oxidative energy system. You want to think of this maybe as like yoga, mobility, foam rolling, stretching. We're looking at about 50% of your heart rate max. So if you don't have a heart rate monitor, get one. Very, very easy. (laughs) Get one. Get one. So cheap. Zone two, our goal here is a little bit more endurance, still using the oxidative energy system. This could be more strength training, maybe recovery ride on your bike, hiking. And this we're at about 60 to 70% of your heart rate max. Jumping up, zone three. Now our goal is more muscular endurance, combining the oxidative energy system with the glycolytic energy system. So stepping it up a little bit there. This could be like heavier weightlifting, running, cycling. Heart rate max is at 70 to 80%. Zone four, goal is now muscular endurance, lactic acid tolerance, and low end speed. Again, combining the energy systems, oxidative and glycolytic. So what are we talking about here? This is more your like power workouts, high intensity interval training, any intervals, maybe doing like a one rep max. Now we're at 80 to 90% of your heart rate max. The final one, zone five, this is very short because our goal is really sustained speed. The energy systems here are glycolytic and phosphogenic. We're talking like all out effort. And like, when I think of this zone, I think of back when I did CrossFit, like Mm -hmm. a one rep max for my snatch or my clean and press. We're like, whoo, you do one and you're (laughs) I got to lay down. Uh Yeah. (laughs) One and done. So we're talking all out here. You're, you're, um, about 90 to hundred percent of your heart rate max. So it's, it's intense. And then really anything above that, we're talking like explosive speed and power, phosphogenic energy system, less than 10 seconds, maybe even seven to eight seconds. It's really, really short. And again, this could be like your power, your one rep max, very intense. You're not going to be there for long. Which most of us are not ever going to get to that because one, you definitely can't achieve that just at home, working out from home. This is like our power yeah, power lifters. You need load. I don't think your body weight can achieve that. And yes, right. you can't sustain it for more than like 10 seconds. So from zone one all the way to zone five, we're really looking at like a time difference. When we're using the oxidative system, that's our oxygen, where you're fueled by oxygen. We're more like fat burning, you can sustain this for a very long time. And then that decreases as we increase the, the intensity, right? So by the time we get to zone five, you cannot sustain it all out effort. I hope that makes sense to people. And just to simplify, if you're yeah. like, whoa, that was a lot of like numbers and I'll never remember that. What I love about mix is that we break it down into three zones because yeah, you really, make it much like, more simple. We yeah. don't need to overthink this. Yes, you should probably like tap into all of these zones, but three zones. So zone one, zone two, zone three, you're probably going to spend most of your time in zone two, but there's so, there is benefit in zone one and zone three zone three zone one, sorry, is our recovery. Zone three is where we really get that strain that we need for growth. Yeah. And it helps with your insulin response, right? Mm-hmm. More zone three training versus zone two is maybe a little more fat burning. And mm-hmm. I think that's also why when people change up their diet, they find they can't do certain zones as well. Like if you're doing more like of a ketogenic diet, zone three might be harder for you and vice versa. Yeah. Until you adapt to that fat burning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about adaptation for sure. Yeah. 
So, you know, I get a heart rate monitor. I think you can break that down into three basic zones. And I think, you know, it's important to spike your heart rate. Actually, let's, let's go a little more in depth. So if you're trying to put together a plan, we have all these considerations, motivation, time, what are you trying to accomplish? But so a very general plan. And again, this is general. It's not going to be personalized, but we have our two main categories, cardiovascular fitness, strength training. So cardiovascular would be more like stamina. So low to moderate activity, but you also want to push your aerobic capacity by doing some hit intervals or Tabata or some power exercises that spike your heart rate, like up into zone three. So we kind of have like zone two and zone three with cardiovascular training, strength training. So we're looking at muscular endurance, but we're also looking at muscular power. And I do think that both are important, probably for, you know, general health benefits, the muscular endurance is going to be a little more dominant. So I think it's important to include some slower, like eccentric training, and then, you know, general tempos like a one-to-one or two-to-two body weight training versus lifting weights. Like I'm just trying to add to your bucket, all your different tools. You should do all of it. You should do some body weight training. You should lift some weights. You should do higher rep periods. And then you should also lift heavier weights and do less. You know, that is considering that you don't have any injuries or, you know, you're not training for something specific. I think variety is really key. So if I'm looking at just like a general week, okay, please remember. So general, general, I can't say it enough. If I had four days to work out two days, cardiovascular, two days, strength training, maybe one of my cardiovascular days, I'm doing more hit. So sprints, high intensity intervals. The other day I'm doing more endurance. So, you know, sitting on a bike and getting my heart rate to zone two, going for like a little bit longer, but kind of maintaining that pace. And then the other two days, strength training, I could do body weight. And this is just, you know, getting that strain, finding the discomfort, a little bit of challenge, and then pick up some weights on the other day and do less reps, heavier weight. Easy. Four days. If I was going to add a fifth day, I would throw in something fun. Maybe it's not fun. Maybe it's shoveling snow. (laughs) That's a workout. Maybe it's learning a new skill like tennis or dance, or maybe you're running around with your dog. Some additional considerations. We want mobility. We want the recovery stuff. So foam rolling, mobility. I would put yoga in this category. Long walks for blood flow to help your glucose insulin response. That, I feel like you can do that as much as you want. And I think that's only going to enhance the strength training, the cardiovascular training. So I would say minimum, minimum three days a week. You probably want to do it (laughs) six days a week, honestly. And you can do that like in little bits, like to your tolerance when you can fit it in. I think that is a, a big push for more throughout the day is better than just one stint sitting on the foam roller and crushing your muscles. Yikes. <laughs> Renee, you want to tap into these last two considerations? Yeah, I think kind of adding on to the sleep chronotype, what we said, you know, really looking at your exercise timing is helpful. Of course, you don't always have the luxury of picking what time, but just to know the benefits. Benefits of exercising in the evening, we do have lower cortisol and we also have typically higher testosterone. So we see a strength benefit. And then 
Also, it can be less stressful on the body because if our cortisol is already high and then we're exercising during that time, it can be a little too stressful on the body. So some benefit to evening exercise. But then on the other hand, in the morning, we see this excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. So more benefit throughout the day. Also better insulin and glucose response, maybe better energy, but that's really going to depend on your sleep chronotype. Like for me, that's not so true, <laughs> but I think a golden rule here is do not work out after 9 PM or even within three hours of bed, unless it's some kind of parasympathetic low heart rate zone exercise. Like I, I have some clients that do yoga before bed and like it puts them to sleep and they feel great, but you know, I definitely within three hours of bed, because exercise is going to increase your body temperature. And we know that when our body temperature is elevated, it's harder to sleep, right? That's why we want a cold bedroom, maybe do a cold shower before bed. All of those things can be helpful, but we also don't want to be stimulating the sympathetic nervous system before bed, whether it's exercise or watching the news or having a stressful conversation, all of those things are going to be sympathetic driven and are not going to allow for optimal sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I never understand when I see people like on Instagram, they're at the gym at like 2 AM, <sighs> no other time you could get to the gym. Like, don't do that. You're not going to see the benefit. You're really just, I think, mm-hmm. wasting your time. I'm screwing with your circadian rhythm. You shouldn't be breaking down muscle tissue and putting strain on your body. You need to be, you really should be in more of a recovery state then. So exactly. Um, just to go back really quick, if anyone's not familiar with the epoch, the excess post exercise oxygen consumption Lord, that's a lot of words. You can't say it. There's a reason it's epoch. <laughs> epoch. <just> say epoch. <laughs> so you, by exercising earlier in the day, you're getting, well, when we do exercise, we get an oxygen debt. And so epoch is really measuring the amount of oxygen it requires to bring your body back to normal, like it's resting metabolic function. So we often see like an elevation in, in metabolism. So you may notice this with people that work out earlier in the day, they generally are able to, you know, eat more, they have more energy and they're going to burn more calories. I've seen this a lot with clients over the years when they work out in the morning, just generally they burn more calories. So, but I guess the only caveat there is like, are you burning more calories and then eating more food? Obviously we need to find that balance, but that's where strength training is really helpful. So not just doing cardio, but breaking down muscle tissue because your muscles then require more energy. And with that lift in metabolism, we do see, we do see a benefit. Okay. We are the biohacker babes. So let's talk about some biohacks for exercise. (laughs) So these can be super helpful. If you are tight on time, you can get a lot of amazing results really quickly. So let's kind of run through them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number one, I kind of put these together, the ARX and the OsteoStrong. So it's using adaptive resistance training. The machines look pretty similar, but you can look up and see if you have one in your area. So ARX or OsteoStrong. Lauren, do you want to share a little bit about the science of how this really works? Because it's like, what is it, a four-minute workout? Like, What's the optimal time for this? I don't know what the optimal time is, but with ARX or the adaptive resistance, the idea is that we're working to your potential between your concentric and eccentric contraction. So with strength training, when you are shortening or contracting a muscle, that's your concentric phase. Your eccentric is the lengthening. So when we look at our concentric and eccentric, you are much stronger eccentrically. But you know, if you're doing something like a bench press, you're never going to lift to your eccentric potential because it your limiting factor is your concentric. So you're not going to be able to eccentrically lift as much as you possibly can. So it may be confusing on the ARX, 
you can change the resistance depending on which direction you're moving. So eccentrically, you'll get more work. So you're working to a higher potential. And it's like AI technology. It just will, it knows, <laughs> it changes the resistance based on your your own strength capacity. So it's really cool. Osteostrong is yeah, a little amazing. different because it's more of an isometric. You're doing one push and then holding. So you're not moving through a range of motion. This is more for like bone density. If you're moving towards osteoporosis, this is a great way to, to prevent osteoporosis by increasing bone density. Yeah. Rx is much better for the range of motion. Right. Right. So you could, I guess, technically you could do both. And I think just to add in the osteostrong, I think it's really interesting how they discovered this technology well, the science behind why they created the technology, they found that gymnasts had really strong bones Mm -hmm. and they think it was from the impact of landing so hard. Now your average person is not going to take up gymnastics just to get stronger bones. So they were able to create the same kind of impact for your bones to, yeah, like Lauren said, prevent osteopenia and osteoporosis. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, another biohack is the Carol bike. We love this. This is also so AI fun. technology. It's a computer meeting your potential. And you're essentially condensing a 60-minute bike workout down into like 10 minutes. I mean, there's different protocols on there, but you're getting the benefits of a longer workout in a condensed period of time because this machine knows what you need. <laughs> and it's tracking heart rate. It's tracking the recovery. And then as you get stronger, it will give you more and more. Really, really cool. Yeah. I think people don't believe it until, until you try it and you'll, you'll realize, cause you do like a 20 second interval and then you recover for three minutes, mm-hmm. but the science behind it is phenomenal. So oh, I'm always bike. dying when I get off of that. I feel, I feel like Dead. I was on a bike for 60 minutes. My yeah. partner is like, oh, it's, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. And you can't do that every day. Like, absolutely no, not. Definitely not. Uh, next three bar. This is yours. X three bar. I'm loving it. I'm on week eight of the program and I feel stronger. My husband says I look stronger. He says my body looks great <laughs> and it's it such a short. <laughs> Sorry. I know he's biased, <laughs> but I must be getting stronger because I'm going up in the resistance bands. Like the bar comes with four bands and I started with the white and like chest press. I'm already at band three. I'm like, holy mm-hmm. cow. So it's obviously working, but I like it for the, uh, how quick the workout is basically, you know, you do four workouts per day with one rest day a week. So it's very, very, very efficient and quick. But if you want to look this up, so X3 bar, the guy that developed it, he found that resistance band training was one of the best ways to build muscle, but the downside of resistance bands were you know, what do you hook it on your foot? And then people are like snapping them in their face or their groin and like they're breaking, right? There were like all these downsides, downsides to resistance bands. So he developed this bar with these extremely thick resistance bands that will like never snap. So it's a really safe way to do resistance band training. Very cool. Yeah. Newbie, newbie, newbie. Lauren has her newbie or new fit. Yeah. I don't want to talk too much about this. We've done an episode on it. We had Rich from NewFit come and, and talk, but it's basically retraining the connection between your brain and your muscles. We're retraining the neurological feedback loop. So it's great for rehab if you have an injury, because we know when you injure yourself, that's stress, inflammation, and that area of the body can shut down to the point where you can no longer move optimally. So movement pattern dysfunction becomes a thing, limited range of motion. So this is a great way to retrain those patterns and get your body to override that fear system in a very healthy, positive way. 
It's also used for building muscle mass. A lot of bodybuilders use this like pre-competition. You can actually like blow up. You get hypertrophy of the muscles depending on the intensity. Really, really cool machine. I would say it's pretty specific. I have one if you're interested in trying it come over. I use it a lot before I film because I I like getting that neurological connection, waking up my muscles before I'm on film to make sure I'm doing things properly. I've used it for a lot of injuries. I've like totally nixed injuries in the past with this thing. So cool. Phenomenal. Love it. What else? Biohacks, no technology required, cold shower, infrared sauna. (laughs) You know this. (laughs) Well, sauna, yes. Technology, I guess somewhat. (laughs) Yeah. So these are hormetic stressors. Infrared sauna, especially. Oh, we just posted about this for American Heart Month. Lots of research about how infrared saunas are great for reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease because you get the benefits that you would doing a workout. So maybe this is an option for those of you that don't want to spend a lot of time to get your sweat on to increase your cardiovascular endurance. Infrared sauna can, can do a lot of that in a short period of time. You're also getting the detoxification, which is really important. Sweating is really important. Optimally, we want to be sweating every day. And that's really hard for me right now, working out from home. I don't sweat as much, but this is how we detoxify. So I think of like SPP sweat, pee, and poop. If you're not doing those things every single day, (laughs) you have some toxic. So try to sweat. And then walking is phenomenal. You can burn the same number of calories if that is your jam. I'm not saying go after calories, but Renee and I both have a lot of experience comparing, you know, hard workouts versus walking. And it ends up at the end of the day, same net. And it's very parasympathetic. A lot of us are in sympathetic overdrive, especially after 2020, very stressful year. We really need to nourish our parasympathetic. So this is more of a working in exercise, which I love. Okay. Quick recap. Again, I can't give you specific numbers because this is highly personal, but I think variety is really important. And I know this is hard, but just like food, if we can have some intuition about this, listen to your body. So maybe in general, you want to think three to four days of strength training, two to three days of cardio training. You want to sprinkle in that mobility. Recovery is where we get stronger. So make sure you're recovering. And if you need help with that, something like the aura ring can be a great guide. You wake up, you get a number. It's like, should I train harder? Should I back off? Renee and I both have experience with this. And if we listen to it, our numbers get better over time. Like it really will take care of you if you're feeling pretty lost about this, but mix it up, make sure you have some body weight training, make sure you're lifting some heavy loads, make sure you're spiking your heart rate, make sure you're also doing more zone one recovery stuff, yoga. I'm not saying everyone has to do yoga, but mobility is in my mind, it's like free form yoga. (laughs) Just move your body. Right. Right. Walking, build this grab bag. I would say, try to do all of the things. Renee is a to-do lister make a list. If you need that motivation, make a list the same way you make your grocery list or the same way you plan out your meals for the week. Just write down what you want to accomplish throughout the week. Considering your time constraints, if minimum effective dose is going to be more useful to you, because if you work a long day and have a family, you know, try to get your walking in, try to sprinkle the workouts, but you probably only need to do like a 20 minute workout, do a concentrated 20 minute workout, because if it's vigorous, then we're meeting those guidelines, right? The 75 minutes per week of vigorous exercise, you can accomplish that in three days, three days time, 20 minute workouts. Pretty simple, right? You should probably sweat every day or at least every other day. Find a way. Exactly. (laughs) Find a way, get in the sauna. (laughs) 
And then listen to your body. Your intuition is going to tell you if you need a recovery day, if you're not feeling it, don't do it because you're going to overtax your yeah. adrenal. But you know, your whole body's going to go into sympathetic mode, shut down, and you're not going to get the benefits. That's what you always have to question. Will I get benefits from pushing myself? Only you yeah. can know that, right? I think that's a great point. Is it then, really worth pushing yourself that day? Yeah. And then I think make sure you're challenging yourself. That's how we grow, right? When we face adversity, we grow. When we face challenges, we grow. It's the same with working out. Challenge is what simulates the growth. You want to be a little uncomfortable, whether that's sweating, getting your heart rate up, and then valuing the recovery. So make sure you're getting the challenge. Make sure you're getting the recovery. And then if you want specifics, if you want personalization, hire someone to write you a plan or hire someone to train you. Or email us if you have more questions. <laughs> I know it's a yes. lot. I know it's a lot. Hopefully this got your brains turning a little bit about this. But yeah, like Lauren said, if you have more questions, ask us. If you need a trainer, Lauren's amazing. You all know that she's amazing. But let us know how else we can help with this. We're hoping just, just to give you more knowledge about a very complex topic. So Yeah, and can we end on... If you have a specific question about something that we addressed today, we can totally go into a whole other episode about it. So just let us know what you need. Feedback Please. is so helpful. Please let us know. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Move, move, move. Movement is medicine. <laughs> we know that, right? <laughs> Hopefully you're walking while you're listening to this. <laughs> or go for a walk. All right, awesome. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast head over to apple podcast to subscribe rate and leave a review we truly appreciate your support until then happy biohacking